You're listening to Simply Stogies, a podcast dedicated to the cigar enthusiast. Light up a stogie, sit back, relax, while James brings you along on his cigar journey. Simply Stogies will review cigars, discuss topics that cigar aficionados find important, sit down with guests from across the industry, and we'll probably learn a few things along the way. Now, here's your host of Simply Stogies, James. Welcome to Simply Stogies. I am your host, James. Uh, this uh, is uh, the next to last uh, Cuban sub-series episode uh, with my friend uh, and, and co-host for this series, Nick Sirius. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Thank you, James. Always a pleasure to be on the show and to talk to the good folks of the cigar community. Uh, it, it, it was just terrible timing uh, last month because we didn't have the sub-series last month because I was on vacation uh, and you had just got back from uh, the uh, Cohiba uh, 55th, belated 55th uh, anniversary. Everything's yeah. belated when it comes to Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like Unfor- Des Moines. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, like... Uh, they're limited editions. They're they're named, but if they're lucky, they come out in the following year. Sometimes two years. It just takes times for things to move along over there. Yeah, no, it's kind of like Des Moines. It's, it's just consistently five years behind pop culture. Um, yeah, well, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was just kind of bad timing, but I did have a nice vacation. I am again uh, recovering from some sort of sickness, um, but I am I am back and I am uh, I'm feeling good. So today we're gonna we're gonna catch up with you. We're gonna talk about the fifty uh, fifth anniversary bash uh, that they had there in Cohiba. Then you also got to uh, sit down uh, with a couple of the gentlemen from Habanos SA, uh, and you got to ask them a few questions. So we're gonna talk about that, and you can um, you know I'll mention this later on, but you can you can watch that interview in its entirety uh, on our Rumble channel. There'll be a link in the description uh, below. Uh, then we're going to tease some stuff at the end of the show. So just, just hold on there, guys. Hold on. We're, we're going to get, we got a lot. It's an action packed show. Action packed. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned till the end. That's right. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. You don't want to, you don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss this uh, at, at all. But before we get into all of that, I want to uh, remind you guys that we have our own coffee blend. Uh, it's a Simply Stogies podcast coffee blend from Janice Coffee Roasters. Go to JaniceCoffeeRoasters.com. Click uh, in the search bar uh, and type in Simply and it'll pop right up. It's a three bean blend, a dark roast that is going to be perfect. If you like drip, if you like, um, you know, uh, cold, cold brew, French, like whatever you want to do with it. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a flexible coffee in that regard. Um, so give it a shot. Let me know what you guys think. Um, and tag me on social media. Then tell me you're, you're, you're drinking. I really want to know what everyone thinks of it. But JaniceCoffeeRoasters.com. Uh, and in the search bar, just click simply. It's a non-biased 10. Non-biased. 100% now, of non-biased. Of well, let me tell you something, James. I, I'm looking forward to trying it myself. At being a newly rediscovered passion of mine, being coffee, I cannot wait to try the Simply Stogies coffee as well. Yeah, no, that's right. You have, you have, uh, man, oh man, I love it. That's my new thing. My new thing down the rabbit hole. I have financially time wise. (laughs) Uh, it's, 
you know, my wife, uh, she's getting nervous because the last time I was this excited about anything were cigars and look where I am today. Right, right. I was going to say, look where you're at today. You've got your own company. You go to Cuba. Well, yeah, I'm into it. Like it went from a hobby to more than a hobby to a serious, (laughs) you know, uh, amateur Uh to, hey, I guess you could technically say professional since I'm getting paid to do it. So I'd say master blender, but that upsets you. Blender, blender. I just love blending. Blender. That is, blender's good. I'm just good with the blender name. Are, are you That's saying good. that you you might start blending your own coffee? Yes, that is the plan because oh, wow. I have. I, I did mention that uh, off off air that uh, I've spent already uh, more money than I should have in my new crazy <laughs> yeah. hobby of espresso, and yes, definitely went down that rabbit hole. But as much as I love it. It just seems like the right match. Coffee and cigars, in my opinion, go together more than anything else out there. I mean, people talk about their different libations and what they drink with their with their cigars. But for me, a coffee, especially in the morning, man, there is nothing better. You get a little caffeine. Well, the caffeine's also in the nicotine uh, of, of cigars, but you have the coffee. So also, again, a slight little plug with with my uh, brand being based in Costa Rica. Uh, it happens to be a very well-known country that produces coffee beans, and it's got a great reputation. So um, I, I think it would be just uh, right for me to explore that avenue and and uh, hopefully someday in the future, I don't want to say near future, but it's something I definitely have on the horizon to come out with some type of my own blends that are paired and matched to my LH blends of the Claro, Colorado and Maduro, mild, medium and full. So I'd like to have three different, you know, cube, um coffee blends yeah. to go with it. It'd be great. I think was, it'll. Uh, and, I, and I agree with you. There's nothing quite like a cigar and a coffee. First thing in the morning, it sets you straight the whole day. The whole day. You're just good. You, you uh, look forward to it. Yeah. I wake up looking forward to it. I don't have the cigar, unfortunately, because I live in the cold weather of New Jersey. So most of the year, and uh, even though, you know, it's uh, cigars is what I do uh, to keep peace in the family, I do not smoke <laughs> in the house. Yeah. Well, I mean. Some, someday that may change. <laughs> I may get my own shack or shed or whatever you want to call it the you know, she shed uh, the, something i can't even smoke <laughs> in my garage it's so frustrating you know i'm like ah oh, the garage stinks i'm like oh geez okay so not well uh, I, 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 you know the announcement we're going to talk about at the end of the show has uh, a little bit to do with that at least on my end so i'm mm, I, yes. I, I i'm very much looking forward to that but before like the next cigars and coffee that i do because i missed the one this last week if you notice that guys mm. again I don't know if you can tell from my voice. I certainly can that I am still a little bit under the weather, uh, but that's why I missed the uh, the show on Saturday. I've been sick all last week, coughing, and uh, I actually had an ear infection, which is weird. What adult gets an ear infection? Um, so it's kind of just that messed happens. with my whole upper respiratory uh, thing. But the next mm. cigars and coffee, Nick, is going mm. to be me uh, enjoying a civet coffee. Mm. Are you familiar with nice. the civet coffee? I, I'm not. It's also uh, uh, colloquial. Uh, wait, what's the what's that word? Colloquially known yeah. as uh, cat shit coffee. Oh, okay. Yes, I have heard of all kinds yeah. of yeah. shit coffee of uh, different animals that are so very expensive and coveted yes. and the best. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Listen, uh, I I know a little bit about it, but 
I'm definitely very much so a novice in the coffee world. I don't even drink coffee. I drink espresso. espresso. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, of course, a form of coffee. But um, I like the fact that it's just very strong and potent and packed with just flavors. And uh, someday, who knows, maybe I'll graduate to having a real cup of coffee as well. But right <laughs> it's now, a very it's European <laughs> way of having coffee, I feel, right? Yeah. Is I it? love it. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, I mean, I, I kind of, I, yeah, I usually always have a double espresso, so I always overdo it like I do everything else. But um, I think <laughs> having a big cup of espresso would probably have me wired for a week. But the reality is caffeine doesn't affect me as much as the normal person. Um, either I've just gotten so accustomed to it. But I just, I don't, some people love coffee for just the caffeine fix. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's That's not why I do it. But um, it's definitely acquired taste, just like cigars are for people. You know, when you first started smoking cigars, you know you don't have the same feeling you did as you do now at no. whatever stage of the game and journey you are on. The first time you guys had a cigar, I don't care who it is, it was like, Ugh. you know, it was for me. I remember it took me years to get into cigars because I went down the wrong path where somebody handed me a really crappy cigar in college and I said, what the hell do people see smoking this? You know, I got into pipe smoking and that was great. And different. Like I don't, can't really do that too much now because I'm not into flavored tobaccos at all. Right. But, um, but the actual, you know, cigar journey that I went on the first time I had a mild quote premium cigar and had that aha moment. I mean, my life has changed and that rabbit hole journey has been, you know, an integral part of my adult life. And uh, I never thought, you know, if looking back that this would be, what I would be doing. And this would be such an important part of my life, but it has. And um, uh, the, the joke is if somebody told me yesterday and for our drinking audience, don't get, don't take this the wrong way. But if I had to go to a doctor and they said, Nick, you can no longer ever have another alcohol beverage in your life. If you want to live, I would be like, okay, I'm good. But if they said, Nick, you can never have another cigar in your life. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. think there's anything worse. Something somebody could say to me uh, ever. Like, I don't care anything else. It's like, what? Well, I think I, mean, I, that's, I, I would ask like, what do you mean? I can't like, if I have one more, I will well, immediately I mean, it's, die I, it, or. It's, it's, well, it's a totally hypothetical, you know, situation. Let's well, say I know, that but I, would case, ask, I, I would need specifics. Like, is it one more and I would die? Cause then I would just be like, all right, you know what? <laughs> like I'll, I'll wait a few years. Uh, and then when I'm ready, I'll just smoke something really good. And that'll be, that's how I would go. Yeah. Well, you can go that extreme or <laughs> let's say, you know, it would just be very depressing. That's all I could say. And I think a lot of people don't understand it. You know, people that don't smoke cigars, surely. No, understand they're it. not in the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They're not in the hobby. They don't, they don't understand the, the passion that a lot of us have uh, for this and how it I, affects I don't know. our I, mood. I don't know how- how it affects our day. I mean, it's just, I don't think, I don't think people really could, can get it unless they're in it. No, the majority of the world that doesn't smoke cigars thinks that we are crazy and that it's a very nasty habit and, and it smells and how we could, how could we do it? And no, oh, not to mention it's so unhealthy for you and you know, you're killing yourself and it, it's so not PC and all that. Um, even as a business, like I really, 
cringe every time somebody asks me, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, I have a business. What, what do you do? Uh, it's like, uh, you know, because most of the time, and I would say 80%, either it cuts the conversation real short, real fast, which is kind of good because I probably don't want to talk to them anyway, or they're <laughs> like, oh, how could you do that? Uh, anyway. You know, it's like, it's so the, the negative, the look on people's faces when you tell them, you know, and it's, the, and think about if you just tell them you smoke cigars, some people give you this, uh, but you imagine saying, why well, make cigars for a living? Oh. So yeah, yeah, it's easy for me, Nick, because I can just go, I podcast and then everybody immediately loses interest. They're like, oh, all right, well, moving on. Yeah, but don't they go, oh, what's your podcast about? No, nobody gives a shit. But, They're like, oh, you're just no. another one. Of, you're just another oh, podcaster. Yep. You're one of those. Actually, yeah, you're one of those people. Um. All right, so let's let's move on. Let's get the show uh, hey, going. Absolutely, let's, Nick. I know you were in Cuba. I know you've got Cuba news. Let's start with some news coming out of Cuba. What do you got for us? Well, I guess uh, the most important thing that um, has happened there—not a good thing—and people should know by now. It's been quite a while. It's been at least three weeks or so. Is Hurricane Ian and um, the response since? Hurricane Ian devastated the western part of the island, primarily the Pinar del Rio region. I mean, Havana got it a lot and everything, but Pinar was the part that really got whacked. And for people that aren't aware, Pinar del Rio, that province, is where all the good tobacco of Cuba comes from. Now, there are like five growing regions of um cigar, you know, of tobacco in, in Cuba, but Pinar is the Mecca of tobacco that most people consider. So Ian hit Western Cuba, the winds more than 200 kilometers per hour, um, lots of storm surges, coastal flooding, but basically just left the, you know, trail of destruction as it crossed the country. Yeah. And it was a category, uh, category four and uh, lots of people were affected. There was 14 little municipalities there, um, the amount of people, you know, not a lot in general. I mean, Havana's got about a million, a million and a half in those 14 municipalities. You're talking about 700,000 people, but, uh, at least half or more than half are women and children. And, um, they all got whacked because, you know, that's what people do out there. I mean, there's not many jobs. People are farmers and, um, you have to understand these buildings that were there, you know, the drying barns, the curing barns, the, uh, you know, all the sheds, uh, everything. They look like they were ready to fall at any minute, you know, <laughs> when I saw them to begin with. <laughs> right. So if I blew really hard, I think it would go down. So it didn't take much to do this. And, um, but it's like most of the buildings there look like that. So there is nothing. I mean, people there, friends uh, that have sent me you know, videos and pictures. It's really was hard to, to take. It was hard to see. And, um, you really feel for them, you know, not to mention, you know, the, um, the effect it had on the infrastructure, the drinking water, electricity. Well, you know, they had hardly any electricity right. before that, unfortunately, but, um, it's been, it's been rough. So, uh, well, I, mean, I feel for them. They're still, you know, building it back up, but you know, it yeah, is. I mean, you could take a look at what it did to to Fort Myers and and a couple of other places here in the U.S. and just think about the infrastructure that we have, and and you saw the destruction that it did to that. And now imagine a third world country where you know they're like they're like you said they're just like to bring it back to tobacco. All of the you know some of these uh, uh, tobacco barns, these curing barns, they look like they were going to fall over, like you said to begin with. Like you could just blow on it and they're going to fall over, and now. 
this category three, category four hurricane rolls through and just destroys it. I mean, what what kind of impact is that going to have? Do you think, Nick, on uh, uh, Habanos SA production this year? Uh, a lot. Um, first of all, I mean, I guess the only good thing is that it wasn't, you know, like a month later when there's seeds in the ground and then that would have completely just ruined the crop. Hopefully this has just delayed the crop a bit as far as impact. Um, there's reports that over two, uh, 226 tons of tobacco were damaged, uh, you know, from the August harvest alone. And this category, you know, three or four or whatever it actually officially had at the end, it just, you know, it, the amount of damage that it did. Uh, I mean, I know two people died. They evacuated over 50,000 people as a precaution. Um, people have to understand that Pinal de Rio province produces 65% of the country's tobacco, 65, and it's the good 65%. So, <laughs> It's, um, you know, this year's harvest yielded um, like just under five tons, like 4.8 tons of um, wrapper leaves alone. And a lot of this stuff was damaged. So it's going to affect it. It'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see what how Havana shifts. And, you know, we'll talk about it later. But the fact that they tripled their prices on certain brands, um, you know, brings a more profit. But you still need to have tobacco and good tobacco to yep. sell. Yeah. So. All right. So that's all, is that, that's all I got to say. That's it. That's it for the Cuba news. Um, you know, uh, it, it's devastating, and you know, hopefully they'll they'll be able to rebuild um, better than what they had before. Um, and, and it's 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 terrible, terrible loss of life, terrible loss of property. Um, and uh, you know, it's James, it's, a, just, it's a month now, right? It's a month. It's been a month. It, now, it's so. been a while. I mean, that's really the main thing in the news. There are two other little things, James, if you would allow me yeah, just to ahead. mention that that are that are kind of important. Um, the big thing is, you know, Cuba was put back on the terror sponsor list. Um, you know, Biden. I'm not I'm sorry. Uh, Obama took them off, and they got put back on. And that, believe it or not, is as something as simple to us, like, oh, what's the big deal? Well, you don't understand when you're on that list, other countries then have to treat you differently. And it's causing even more um, hardship for the for the government, uh, for the government, of course. But for the people is what uh, the problem is. It's really especially now with with the um, disaster relief. I mean, that, in the, you know, that in of itself, it's a time when they need it more than any any uh, any time. And I mean, the U.S. did uh, donate some money through USAID. Um, and it's been tough, but, uh, you know, hopefully there'll be a shift in this uh, policy, the U S policy, uh, with Cuba, because, uh, I, I've always felt, look, you know, maybe they're not the best, maybe they're, but they're not the worst. There's worse countries that we deal with every day, uh, when it comes to human rights issues and all this other stuff. And because they have, whether it's oil or they produce, you know, chips, we do business like they're our buddies, but a country that has really not much of any of those things, they got cigars, but yet we don't want to do business with them. Okay. There's right. reasons for that. And I'm not going to get into the political thing of it, but the point of it is on a humanitarian level, um, especially now they could use money and there's, it's difficult sending money for even other countries to assist. So, um, you know, it's something that needs to be done. And the only other thing that I really wanted to emphasize is that 
you know, the mass exodus that continues for people there that just, it's bad, man. It's bad. I mean, electricity's bad. I'll tell you about my experience there just in September, hoping it was better from my last trip in April. Cause you know, I'm, I was a guy that went every month, you know, whether it was for doing my tours or for what have you, but now, you know, people are dying to go back there. I'm getting calls literally every day, Nick, when are we starting the tours back? When are you going to go? I got people, I got this, you know? And I'm like, guys, I won't do it. But people, there's flights and people are going. I said, yeah, well, you're welcome to go. But I don't want you to say, oh, my God, Nick, why did you bring me here? You know, because right. un- unfortunately, <laughs> and, and, I, and it's a catch 22, right? Because they need tourists there. They need influx of, mind you, U.S. We're not tourists. We're just visitors um, because tourism is illegal. Uh, so you go under one of the classifications. Let me make sure I, pre- you know, preface that. But uh, they need an influx of some type of money from people there. Um, that's what they live on, you know. Other than the the remittance from family and friends, which is the number one GDP for the whole country, uh, the second or third, or it's up there, is tourism. So they rely heavily on it, and they haven't been able to. Other countries are starting slowly to come back. Um, but it's difficult. There's just too much of a pain in the ass of what, you know, I, we've talked about it in previous shows with the, with the currency being all screwed up and then changing it in the middle of it. And the fact that there are no local resources happening in the sense they have no money. So if the government has no money, they're not producing, uh, one simple example is usually anywhere you went, you could find two types of beer, the, uh, Bucanero and the Cristal. One was stronger, one was milder people like both. And that was about, you know, 90% of the uh, beer that was sold in Cuba right now. I don't, I'm not going to say zero, maybe there's 5% out there, but you don't find them anywhere. You see seven, eight different brands of imported beers from the Dominican Republic and other countries. So water, that's another real difficult thing. Um, You know, I never really drank the water. Most people didn't from outside. Uh, because of, you know, we're used to a certain type of um, water and the, our bodies can't handle the, the the water out of the tap, I would imagine. It's not like the reputation of uh, Mexican water and don't drink the water. Right. I don't think it's I don't think it's that bad. I mean, I always have drinks with with ice and the ice, I'm sure, comes from regular tap, tap water. water. And, I, yeah. and, and I've never gotten sick. Um, but I, you know, I do brush my teeth with water from a bottle. I just 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 to be extra sure and water right now there is difficult to find it's really not uh, not to mention you know the price again even on water has gone three and four times higher um we're talking about a bottle of water used to be a dollar and now the average is about four bucks when you can find it and you gladly would pay four bucks if you could find it um so yeah it's really sad uh Mm -hmm. we could talk about a lot of different things in cuba going on right now but that is really the most uh, pressing issues, uh, the exodus, because there is no reason to stay. And if you have any means to leave the country, people are using them. Unfortunately, people are dying leaving there. I just read yesterday there was another boat that uh, either capsized or something happened and people died in the water again. So a lot of people are dying. That's how badly they need to get out. And remember, this is the largest exodus that's ever happened since the embargo, um, I remember like, what is it from? Okay. some for a year ago from October 1st till June of this year, 
over 160,000 Cubans came over the border. Wow. You know, that's a figure that's significantly higher than the one that was recorded during the 1980, uh, 1980 uh, Mariel exodus, you know, the uh, the boat lift there, where there was about 125,000 Cubans. So this is, it's bad, guys, is what I'm trying to tell you. And I hope it continues to get better. Uh, and I hope we really, uh, our hearts reach out to the Cubans living there. Um, and because, you know, they're a very resourceful people. They're very smart. I, I really, and, and they're, very loving in general. They're nice people. They're really nice people. Not to mention people always are surprised when they say, you know, how's the crime there? I'm like, crime? What crime? I'm sure there is crime, but you don't see it. It is one of the safest countries that I've ever been to. I, I would have no problem walking down any street of Cuba in the middle of the night with no lights and not fear for my life. And I cannot say that sometimes for my own neighborhoods in, you know, in New Jersey that I live currently. Um, it's uh, it's very safe. And the reason for that is, again, when the government is cracked down, because the one thing they do not want is people messing with, you know, tourists. So the crime for messing with the tourists, God forbid, actually assaulting one is very severe. So it uh, definitely um, makes it so you don't have to worry. Now, if you left your phone on a table, would they steal it? Um, you know, if would they try to con you? Would they try to pickpocket? Yeah, but it's yeah, but you're not going to get crime. yeah. We're, we're, you're not you're talking about violent crime. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a sa- it's a safe place. Right. So I hope it uh, changes quickly. I I think my next trip will be uh, during the Habanos Festival. There there is a festival for people that want news that will be happening this in November. And cigar people that love Cuba's uh, and Cuban cigars, the Partagas Festival that's been going on for the last, oh, I'd say almost 10 years. The Amigos de Partagas it always happens like the week before Thanksgiving. And it's a great little festival where it's less expensive than the than the more formal Habanos Festival that happens in the third week or last week of February. Um, and it's more more consumer driven. And it's great to see and meet and hang out with people from all over the world that share our common interest in Cuban cigars or cigars in general. And it's just a great time. And this is the first year that I'm not going. I'm going, and it's people are like surprised, Nick, you're not going. I'm like, no. And they're like, why? I, I'm going. I'm like, well, I'll talk to you when you get back, and then you'll know why I'm not going. <laughs> you'll and, you'll know and, why um, when you get there. Exactly. So it'll be interesting to you know the people that are still going. <clears throat> Eh, you know, I hope it's gotten better in the in the two months that I've been there, but it didn't get much better since the time the first right. time I went after the yeah. uh, pandemic. So now I remember you. I remember you know in April you said it was a shit show, and then you came back and you're like it's a clusterfuck, and I'm like wow, that doesn't sound like a downgrade. A shit more. show, and and my hope were that it was just going to steadily improve because I thought we had hit rock bottom. Yeah. Um, no. and it's improved. <laughs> no. But oh, it hardly. Okay. I mean, Excuse comparatively. Me. Comparatively, but it's yeah. not compared to April, but not by uh, much. I was yeah. really expecting a big, a big difference. But let's see. Hopefully by February, it'll get better. Well, so. uh, speaking of shit shows and clusterfucks, uh, you also got to sit down while you were down there with uh, a couple of the gentlemen from Habanos SA. Uh, who did you sit down with specifically? Well, they're the two co-vice presidents. The way Habanos works, it's a co-op between the Cuban government 
and the um, it used to be Altitis, which was you know bought by Imperial, and now is owned by unknown Chinese ownership. So basically, it's a 50-50 deal. So uh, Cuba owns half, and 50% is owned now by the, let's for all intents purposes, the, Ch- the Chinese government. So what happens, and the way they've always structured it from the beginning, is they have two presidents, two um, vice presidents, so they're co's. I don't know how that works in, in, real, in the real-world application, who has really the final say, because I know in business, somebody's got to be the decision maker. Somebody's got to have, you know, the final say when you have two people. I don't know. I don't know how things work on that. I, Wouldn't I've it be never who, really... who has the majority? Who's the majority owner? I would imagine well, Sabano's it. SA. Well, you would think, but I would say not because who controls the tobacco? Cuba tobacco. So, you know, you would think that Habanos SA, Habanos SA is the co-op. You're talking about Altitis, which is still considered and called Altitis, but now owned by the um, the Chinese government. Uh, Altitis is the marketing arm, of course, even though they have marketing people in Cuba, of course, too. But they have the majority of the money. They, that's how the whole thing started. A quick little uh, history lesson. I think it was 1994, Habanos was officially formed. And the reason for it was Cuba didn't have money to pay for the fertilizers. So they were using for a while petroleum-based fertilizer that was provided by the, the Russians. And that really caused havoc on the land for, for a number of years until that was corrected. So then Altitis said, listen, why don't we give you the, the fertilizer and you know use it so we can get some tobacco because we need it. So they started supplying the, uh, the fertilizer in exchange for you know credit towards future purchases. And then it went on from, all right, well, well, we can do the role. And then eventually they said, look, why don't we just go in 50-50? And I guess the government was, was okay with it. And so Cuba Tobacco is the supplier of the tobacco and Habanos officially buys from Cuba Tobacco. Who would have the final say, in my opinion, 100% it's the Cuban side um, because they control the oh, tobacco yeah. and they could easily tell them go away and tomorrow they could still sell and roll. And so they have the final say. But when it comes to the the actual leadership, I don't know. I don't know who has the say between the two of them. Uh, I'm sure it's amicable and they don't really run into issues, but. Anyway, the whole point of it is there's two co's. So in my uh, interview, I had a nice media briefing with a uh, person by the name of Leopold Sintra Gonzalez, and he just goes by uh, Polo. So that's his nickname. And uh, Jose Maria Lopez in Chabard. And Jose Maria uh, is the, they're both the commercial vice presidents of Habanos. So uh, they're like, you know, pretty much on the higher up uh, of the uh, the food chain there. You know, they're like in the second position and they're co-vice presidents and they were there to take questions um, from people. And I normally I, you know, I've been attending there as media for a number of years, but I never conducted any formal interviews because, you know, I got my briefings from the press releases that they do. And then and there you could ask questions and I saw, to be perfectly honest, that most of the questions that were being asked were, you know, softballs. They were being lobbed up, you know, by 
you know, the agencies that were there, okay, you know, there's some of the ones we know, like Reuters and, you know, AP and, and, uh, and some of the American uh, companies like, uh, you know, NBC or, or CNN. Um, but they were asking very fluffy kind of questions. And even the ones that are more cigar centric, they were just asking, you know, like, oh, come on, guys, you could read that in a book. I mean, okay, some well, of the key things are the numbers. To, and, you to, know, what was to be fair, let's be fair here. You're dealing with you're dealing with the Communist Party. You 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 as a journalist, you're there essentially uh, on their goodwill because they could certainly say just get out. Right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, so, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they're lobbing up softball questions, but they're lobbing up softball questions because they don't want to get kicked out and they want to be able to come back and at least continue to you know, do what they do, journalism, right? Yeah. Um, to elaborate on that whole thing with the Cuban government and um, media, you know, journalists, that's always been a very touchy, touchy subject. And uh, it's been said that for them to allow you a visa, because you have to have a specific visa. Every time I go as a journalist, I get a specific visa to attend and the uh, approval process is very stringent because, well, at least on the America side of things, in the past, um, a lot of the, let's say, uh, you know, people that are there for reasons other than what they're originally claiming to be there for go as journalists. It's kind of been a known thing, right? Yeah. So they don't really, um, I don't want to say trust, but they have most. All countries, you know, they basically scrutinize the journal journalist when they're attending to see if they're really the journalist and what they're there for. So it's been said that if you get a visa from them, they've done their due diligence, they've done their homework, and they got to pretty much trust you. Uh, in my case, you know, I've been going there for 13 years, and I've always made it very clear that I am not pro or con. I am there as just 100% pro tobacco cigars and that is my sole purpose for going to cuba that's why i go there I, I fell in love with their cigars in the early 90s and i couldn't wait to go there to actually go to the mecca where the, my favorite cigars were being rolled and made and and since the first time i set foot there man it was like just something that it was a place that i needed to be a part of and i became a part of it so anyway i became a journalist um and i get approved every year at least so far and um it's been it's been good but you're like what i'm saying is i just never really care to interview them or do anything like that because i i know they're not really going to give you the right answers and you kind of have to read between the lines and this time you know they're the the media people um of habano said hey would you like to interview anybody particularly you know um from habanos and i'm like no i'm good and they're like, you sure? And Are I'm you like, sure? No. like uh, we can we can set something up for you. No. Yeah, they're like, well, you know, you're there for a, or a specific reason. I go, yeah, but I usually get the answers I need on my own. And you know, they're like, well, it's going to be a little different this time. There's no official official press conference. Um, it's going to be different, and you're not going to have access to these people the same way. Maybe now, um, it would be a good time to set some time, and we're giving you an opportunity. And I'm like. Okay, sure. All right, let's do it. So then they were like, all right, what questions are you going to ask? 
like, oh, I have to tell you what questions I'm going to ask. Oh. Well, they were like, you know, we just want to make sure we get you in front of the right people. Um, you know, this way we know who for you to be, you know, who, who you should interview. Right. And I'm like, you're, you're, are you censoring if I write? And they're like, no, no, no. They're like, absolutely not. We just, you know, we just want to know what kind of questions you're going to ask. So I said, okay. So I basically told them, you know, I'm going to ask about, you know, the same stuff you normally report about, like your annual sales year to year over growth, your pandemic growth, you know, what the challenges have been during the pandemic. But the key questions, and I know that uh, I couldn't be the only person asking this because this is what everybody wanted to know. The main thing was their price increase that went you know, when um, they're still going through and their current marketing strategy with this, you know, triple um, raising of the rates of uh, specifically a few brands like Cohiba and Trinidad. So, um, you know, I said that and maybe ask a few other questions and like, okay, maybe a few others. So they put me in front of um, Leo and Jose Maria. And these are two people that I've known, you know, for uh, a number of years, I've known uh, Leo um, Polo, they, they call him, uh, God, it's gotta be like 13 years. And, uh, Jose Maria, I actually had uh, dinner. I was uh, fortunate enough to sit next to him and really got to know uh, each other well last year at a dinner. So it's not like I didn't know both of these folks. So it was very, um, I guess you could say I was nervous. Um, you know, I, I did cut out a few of the minutes ahead of time, but in the beginning, what I did was uh, okay, I was nervous to ask these questions, but I knew they needed to be asked. Um, and I and I and I wanted to establish that. Hey, guys, remember I'm on your side. One, I love Cuban cigars. Two, in this exact moment, I'm here representing primarily the U.S. consumer of of Cuban cigars. So I'm going to bring to you the questions and feedback and stuff that people come to me all the time with. So uh, prepare for that. It's not just for me. So I was kind of trying to uh, soften the blow, so to speak. Right. And you could see in their eyes, in their faces, and it's worth watching just for their expressions that they answered. And, and again, a lot of it was fluff, but they did answer the questions. So. Yeah, they, they did. And we're going to play uh, some of those answers here in just a minute. But again, guys, if you want to watch this uh, interview in its entirety uh, with uh, Polo and uh, Jose Maria from Habanos SA, uh, go to our Rumble channel. It'll be in the uh, description below and you can watch the uh, interview uh, that Nick did with them in, it, in its entirety. And Nick's not wrong. He set it up. He was like, hey, guys, like this is who I am. This is who I'm kind of representing here. And you can definitely see it in their eyes that they were... Uh, they, they, because, you they, know, I, I've worn so many, so many hats for people that don't know me. I've worn so many different hats uh, in the Cuban seed uh, scene. Um, you know, I was involved with uh, cigar lounges in the Middle East, and that was my my forte into the cigar business. So they knew me on that aspect of it. I've done work with them. <clears throat> I've been through their uh, academia. I, I got the uh, the uh, their master's uh, program that um, they was were a very nice. Pro- certainly taken aback by your setup and then even more so from your questions. And I thought your questions uh, were, were spot on. I thought they were exactly what needed to be asked and they, and you, and you did it in a way that wasn't um, so blunt. I would have been more blunt. Yeah. 
No, I, I was trying to be respectful. I was trying to, you know, let's face it. I wanted to be reinvited back and, you know, <laughs> I didn't this want is to be not, kicked off the this, island. <laughs> this, is, this is not something that they're used to. I, I, as far as I know, I don't think they've had people really ask them these types of questions. Maybe so, but um, so well, I was this is little, something that they're going to have to start getting used to, I think, especially with the direction that they're trying to go. Because and the, you, and the crazy you, changes, you know, oh, I mean, yeah. this is like, it's pretty big when you triple your prices o- overnight, you know. Well, and that's what you said. You thing. told them, you, you said you're trying to be, you know, the Burka bags of, uh, of uh, cigars. I mean, I, I think yeah. you even used those exact words. Yes. And, and, uh-huh. and that's what it is. That's for me, the perfect analogy. You have Hermes and they always were Hermes. You know, they always were the most expensive. Cohiba's probably the most well-known brand in cigars in the world and for a, a brand that's only been around for you know less than 60 years um it's number one no matter where you go if somebody knows nothing about cigars they're gonna say hey what is that a cohiba i'm like jesus it's not even sold in the united states right. well it is it is as dominican brand but it's like oh my god people in cohiba so somehow it's gotten the the name recognition like any brand would want I mean, it's like whether good, bad or indifferent, and we could talk about the history of it. We could talk about how, um, you know, they they sued you know, they sued the U.S. government. They sued the uh, not the government. But they sued because, uh, you know, they're using the brand and they won and then they lost. And there's a lot of things. So they really um, protect the brand as much as they can. And uh, for them to triple the size. So you have a Hermes bag. And now they said, you know what? Let's say an Hermes bag is $20,000. I don't know what they go for, but I know there's bags that are 200,000 and and more. So they just said, you know, well, at the end of the day, what is it? It's leather and it's uh, buttons and fasteners. What are pocketbooks made of? What makes a pocketbook worth $20,000, much less a $200,000? So that same analogy really applies to the tobacco and these cigars. I mean, at the end of the day, it's dried leaves, right? Yep. Um, that, that we're smoking here. And, you know, it, it's really just about branding and it's all about supply and demand. But in my opinion, the reason I think I mentioned it, and again, maybe that's what I shouldn't have done, but I really believe that the reason that they've done what they've done uh, is because, look, we have X amount of product. We cannot supply the whole world because God forbid uh, if, you know, so we keep raising the prices and believe me, they've been raising the prices regularly every year, whether it be 5% on the low side, every year, these prices have been creeping up. And then what happened in the last few years is the insatiable market uh, in in the uh, Asia market, you know, you're talking about the Chinese and and uh, everyone in that area. They just love the brand Cohiba. Anything with Cohiba, that's their thing. So um, that's they've really one of the benefits of going to Cuba for people was you could go there and buy from their shops. And there's you know nine Casa de Habanos's just in uh, Havana, and you could that's their authorized retailer. Uh, chain brands that owned by them as well, of course. So you go there and you could buy a Cohiba and it's always been known that it's the least expensive place you could purchase Cuban cigars. You know, uh, second being um, 
Lebanon. If you go to the uh, Beirut airport that's owned by Phoenicia, that's always kind of been known as the second place in the world where you could buy inexpensive, uh, as inexpensively as possible Cuban cigars. And there are people primarily from Russia and a lot of the Asians literally used to fly to Beirut. And it's a big place. I mean, it's a, you know, this is a fan. They have an amazing lounge in the airport. It's one of the best lounges that I've ever been in. It's a private lounge and there's a fee to it. And, and Phoenicia owns and they do a lot of, uh, they move a lot of boxes because it's duty free. And it's the pricing is fairly, fairly good compared to buying it anywhere else. But outside of that, you went to Havana. Well, right now, if anybody thinks, hey, well, Americans, it doesn't matter because legally you can't bring anything back. And if you get caught bringing something back, uh, it's not a good thing. So um, now is not even the time to want to bring back um, cigars. But if you could, there is none to be found, especially not Cohibas. To put it in perspective, a box of Sigalo 6, Cohiba Sigalo 6, which is part of their Sigalo series, it's a 52 by 6 Toro. It is a very good cigar. It's one of my favorite sizes and one of my favorite cigars. That cigar has been creeping up over the years, just uh, over like to over 500. Then it was 505. Then it was 535. And I think the year prior to the pandemic, I think it was like 550 per box of 25. Well, now, if you could find a box and there are no full boxes you could buy, at a Casa de Habanos in Havana. The price of that cigar is now $1,700 a box. Yikes. So it's tripled in price. You could buy sticks. And I think you were only allowed to buy one or two. They would give you like one or two sticks. <laughs> wow. And that's $68 a stick. That's now. That's insane. That's just no, insane. That's still, no, no, but see, that's still reasonable because even before this price increase if you went to the uk it was just it was a normal thing to spend a hundred dollars on a cigar over there and two hundred dollars for a bahique in canada your normal cuban cigars once they add the taxes and all the stuff you know you're talking about 50 60 dollars so the rest of the world guys if you don't realize it has been used to spending and paying top dollar for the privilege of smoking a premium cigar especially a Cuban. And that's why a lot of other brands, it didn't make sense for people to venture out. Like the Canadian's attitude is like, all right, you know, why should we smoke these non-Cuban brands? Because the price difference is minimal and I'd rather have something that everybody knows. So uh, whether it was just to smoke the, the label, as we say, and so we can show everybody we're smoking that Hermes or Burka bag or this brand that nobody's heard of. So, of course, when the price is so close, they would go the other route. But now this is a huge opportunity for all these brands, you know, that are coming out of countries out. We say American brands, but they're, you know, you know what I mean? They're from Nicaragua or Honduras, in my case, Costa Rica. So it's an opportunity for people that have never really marketed outside of the U.S. to really kind of like do it now. And the reason people never did is because, you know what, the U.S. market is the largest consumer market when it comes to smoking premium cigars anyway. So, you know, there's plenty of market share here, but now it's almost like easy picking, you know, low, low hanging fruit where you can sell these other countries yeah. because the reality is even wealthy people 
I don't care what your income level is. If you all of a sudden and you're looking at something and it used to cost you five bucks and now it's 15 to 20 bucks, you're like, damn, I don't know if I want to smoke it for that price. And, you know, after you get past the sticker shock of it, if you like it enough, maybe you'll smoke less of it, but you'll still buy it. And everything is getting consumed by the Asia market. So my um, hypotheses or my theory on it is that the new ownership being somebody or some entity of China, because that's all we know officially, um, pro- my guess is they went to him and said, hey, man, listen, we need more Cohibas. And they're like, but but we're giving you, you know, we're increasing in the re- we can't take it away. And we have a set place of distributors that have been in business with us and our partners for the last, you know, 30 years. We can't just tell them no. Uh, okay. Now let's figure this out. What do we, you know, here's what we sell them in uh, Asia. We need to make that the price everywhere else and raise the prices on everything. And this way you guys can make more money since we're partners now. And also since they probably won't be able to sell at those prices, guess where they can send them. So probably said, wow, that kind of solves our problem where um, we make more money. We don't have more products, so we make more money. And also the other distributors, if they, you know, can't sell it at these prices, we don't want to like piss them off. So we'll say, Hey guys, you know, I know we don't want you to be just, ship it over there where before it was highly discouraged and frowned upon. And also, I don't know if illegal is the wrong word, but it was not something you were allowed to do. It's kind of known as trans shipping or selling to uh, parallel markets is what they call it. So if the distributor of the Middle East, Phoenicia wanted to sell uh, their products to the European market or to the Asia market, they would be going outside of their territory. And if it was discovered, you know, by tracking serial numbers on boxes or whatever, you know, supposedly uh, it was potentially a violation to lose your licensing or, or privilege of being a distributor or sub-distributor of Habanos. So they did not like that. The only thing they didn't care, and this was openly known that, look, if you are a distributor from anywhere in the world, you are not only allowed, but encouraged to sell to the U.S. market. So they wanted, because uh, they know the U.S. market had the money and the uh, they always had a thing for Cuban cigars and the forbidden fruit aspect made it even more um, desirable. So they were allowed to do that, but you weren't allowed to sell into other people's territories. Well, in this case, if you can't sell it to your customers in your backyard, so to speak, you are welcome to ship it to the Asia market where they will pay you for the, for the privilege of uh, being able to get it and they can't get enough. So you're making your margin you're selling and uh, you're not complaining, but you know, it's still, it's a shock for some of the smaller distributor areas. um, They're not happy. And I've talked to them and they're like, listen, this is going to end up killing the Trinidad brand for one. And I'm like, why so? And like, okay, Cohiba, maybe it'll sustain this, this incredible, you know, triple price increase, but I don't think, you know, that Trinidad has the same um, market awareness and they're probably right. You know, they've always treated Trinidad and Cohiba on the same level, but um, it'll be funny to see if they can sell the Trinidad at the triple right. price. So that's kind of your take on it. And now let's hear 
their answer to your question, because your question was essentially, hey, you're, you're treating Cohiba and Trinidad as the, the burka bag and you've got, got this 300% price hike, you know, what are you, what are you guys doing? It's basically your question. And here right. is their answer. So, Cohiba is a luxury brand. Cohiba is a luxury product. In Cohiba, we, we put all the focus in quality, in innovation, in new products, in surprising our consumers. And it's our, our, of course, most value brand. And we can say, and I think there is a consensus in the market, in the aficionados, in the consumers, that is probably the best cigar in the world. And we put all the focus in, in satisfying the very high expectations our consumers have on Cohiba. And at the end, being a luxury team, there was a, and with a lot of demand, growing demand, and it's clear that the growing demand in the last five years is coming from Asia, especially where there is a boom on cigars. And, and at the end, we have a big disturbance in Cohiba, being a luxury product, a luxury brand, targeted with very much different prices all over the world. And when you are in, a, in, a, in the luxury industry, there is some um, patterns we want to follow. And one of them is to fix a global pricing for a luxury product. Specifically, when your production is limited because we put the focus on the quality and we are not going ever to sacrifice quality for quantity. So it's clear that the Cohiba demand is not satisfied and we are not going to satisfy as far as there is not the quality to increase the quantity, which is something we are permanently working together with Tabacuba, but at the end, our is a natural product, so it's not that you can put the machine to produce. So at the end, uh, we really had a deep analysis on this issue. It's not a, a, a decision. It, uh, you, you mentioned the new owners, you mentioned the, the Asia boom right. started before, before the changes yes. of the structure of Abanos. But at the end, it's, of course, it's clear, probably a consequence of the Asia boom of cigars that the new owners of the foreign investor in, in Abanos is comes from Asia. And at the end or so, of course, they have a very good understanding on the, also on the Asia, Asia markets. And at the end, it's clear that uh, uh, we wanted to avoid these disturbances in prices. We wanted to really target Cohiba as a luxury item with a global pricing. And at the end, uh, that was the, the, the best way we understand uh, that we could solve the problem of the disturbances and also the the appetite of the consumers for Cohiba. And at the end, uh, it's not only Asia, some markets like UK also had very high pricing. And at the end, what we have doing is globalize the pricing, globalize the also prices. It's a marketing tool like uh, many others. So at the end, uh, to, 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 to position your product where we think Cohiba is, like, like a luxury brand, is to have a global pricing. And you knew there would be some resistance and some uproar from the current base, obviously, when you double and triple the prices in some cases, right? Look, I would say there has been a very good understanding of our distributors network right. and retail network on this decision. So at the end, our partners right. in the process of commercialization of our products mm -hmm. have uh, the professional part of the business right. of, uh, has perfectly understand this, this, this movement. The consumers, it's clear that maybe for some consumers that were based in countries where the prices of Cohiba were lowers, 
Of course, they, it's not a good decision for them, but at the end we have a so big demand on consumers willing to pay what they think a Coiba cost. Uh, at the end, uh, we are we are trying to balance this 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 consumer expectation, and and at the end we have a very huge portfolio of brands in the Abanos production. We have 27 brands, so we think there will be always. And a bonus for any consumer, wherever he is. Gotcha. There, there, is, there is another thing that I would like also to add. Mm -hmm. And it is what has happened during the last two years. How is the inflation? I mean, what have happened? What have happened, for example, globally? I mean, we have seen a, a full disruption in all the logistic chain. How is the cost of transport? I mean, we are a luxury, we are focusing value, of course. We, for us, uh, the clients are very important, for sure. But we are a luxury, especially Coiba, as you mentioned, has huge demand still, and we, we have increased the price in May, the end of May. Still, for to see how it's going to happen, we have to, to, to what is going to happen, we, we, we need to, I mean, we, it's very short, and, and we, need, we need to evaluate to prolong a little more the time for to see. But till now, the figures in our export, still the demand is very, very, very high. And I started with the inflation, and then what have happened, even in the in the rich countries, rich country, if you go to Spain, you know the the, the, the inflation is around eight, seven point five, eight also in France. Double France, digit, so double digit. digit. What is going to happen? What is going to happen? During the next uh, during the next year, now we have this issue with the war in Ukraine. So everything, the price of electricity is moving. So, so we have we have to be also also observant with this issue that is impacting also in the cost of the all the raw the raw materials that we are importing. I mean the all the cigars van everything. So so we have to also to be observant. In my humble opinion, and also I also think that Chema also disagree with me that. At the end, Coiba, what is going to happen is that uh, the, the demand is going to be adapted. I mean, you will see still market that uh, where we are perfectly aware that we are not satisfying the demand. I think that the demand will increase and another one will maintain stable and another one maybe will suffer a little bit. But at the end, our aim is to, as he mentioned, to avoid right. this um, transfer of, of goods from one uh, country to another right. and trying to harmonize this. But till now, mm. it's true that it's a very short period, but the demand and our sector figures haven't Not suffered true. a lot in Coiba. No, nothing. In, in, and in the rest of portfolio as well. I can guarantee it. So, I, I mean, it, it, it kind of sounds like a canned answer, doesn't it, Nick? It is, of course. Um, you know, it's, look, we have the best product in the world. Uh, you know, they were you know, politically correct in the response. I didn't expect anything different. I didn't right. expect them to really address it. They did kind of smirk a little bit when I was talking about, Hey guys, you guys allow it to go now to Asia and this. And so uh, I think they knew that I touched upon the points, not that they could confirm or deny my, my, uh, and, and I didn't put it in a form of a question a lot of ways, just so I didn't, want to corner them if they wanted to uh, respond to it they had the opportunity if not they could just let it go by um i and didn't just want let it go by <laughs> i mean yeah, they really course. did it's I, it's a fluff it's a fluff canned answer 
It's like when you ask a politician a question and they don't really answer your question. They answer some other question that you didn't ask. And it, that, you know, that just drives me nuts. You know, I had people that told me, yeah, you know, Nick, maybe you're a little hard on him and you didn't have to go that. that. Uh, I'm like, I, I wasn't try again. I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just trying to like ask the questions that everybody wants the answers to. And that is everybody in the world wanted to hear the official answer and they gave it that. And they, and that was a very, you know, can prepared answer because I'm sure I wasn't the first, nor I will ever be the last to ask. <laughs> no, what's, probably what's not. your deal? What's <laughs> why you did, why did you increase the price by three? Um, so they answered it. And that is the number one question that I wanted to get out. So the number the, two, yeah, the number two question uh, before you tell us what it was. No, no, you tell us. No, no, no. I want to ask. I want to ask. Was this okay. like a, was this just to have something in between your first question and your last question? Cause I kind of feel like it was, I kind of feel like it was, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to hit you with the one, two punch. I want to hit you. I want to kind of, kind of just give you a jab and then kind of back off with this second question. And then let the third question come around with the haymaker. Is that what you wanted to do? Was that, or, or what was your yeah, thinking? It, yeah. In, in some ways, I mean, I knew I, I had a limited time um, with them uh, and I knew sitting there looking at their handlers or their marketing team, the look in their faces, oh, daggers, daggers at me, you know, they, <laughs> and I'm like, God, uh, so I'm like, so I can, I'm like, man, they're going to like rush me out of here if I, if I ask it right behind it. And so the, of course, you know, the biggest elephant in the room for most Americans and people talk about it all the time. Oh, you know, and, and some, and, and somehow it, it annoys me because people are quick uh, in the American market to put down Cuban cigars and say, ah, oh, you know, Cubans aren't what they used to be. They suck. Oh, they're, 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 and I'm talking very big people in this industry will say this, you know, very known. Um, oh, 100%. I have said on this show that, the the folks who were uh in and a part of hand rolled uh the the movie the documentary whatever you want to call it about premium cigars and, and I, I you know I, I've said they they say in one, uh, one side of their mouth yeah, Cuban cigars are terrible they're not what they used to be uh the uh you know construction sucks the quality control is terrible you know. Uh, you, you need to not buy Cuban cigars. And then out of the other side of their mouth, not 30 seconds later is, but my cigars are Cuban-esque. You can't have it both ways. You absolutely cannot have it both ways. It's disingenuous for the folks in this industry. Uh, and I'm not going to name names. Uh, I think I probably have before, but I'm not going to right now because I'm just kind of tired and I don't want to deal with it. Uh, but it, 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 you know, you can't, you can't be a hypocrite. You can't say Cuban cigars suck, but my cigars are Cuban-esque. You can't like that is, that's the most disingenuous, uh, hypocritical thing you can possibly say about your brand period. And I think yeah. it devalues what you do in this industry. I think it devalues your brand. Uh, and honestly, it makes me reevaluate, uh, anything you have an opinion on. Hmm. Well, you know, when people ask me the same thing or people I hear talking, I have to interject 
because one, yes, Cuban cigars have a very unique flavor. There's something about it that make it, you know, I have a good friend of mine that I'll talk about often in now and in the future who supplies me with just about every brand of cigar out there for me to try and taste. And one of the things we do regularly used to be almost every day was, is it a Cuban or not? And he was like stump, stump uh, Nick on the Cuban cigar. And I could taste Cuban tobacco. I just know it like nothing else. But again, I've been doing it for close to 30 years, actually over 30 years. So I know what Cuban tobacco should taste like. And there are some Cuban, you know, strains and tobacco that doesn't taste like Cuban tobacco, which I've been stumped a few times, but the reality is it's very distinct. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. So, and I like that flavor. I, but again, I've always said that it, you know, everybody's got, and that's why there's 5 million brands out there because everybody's got their flavor that they like. And it's usually the one that you're used to smoking, the one that you feel comfortable with. Uh, George Burns, he smoked the El Producto. Mm-hmm. It was a crappy, shitty little yeah. cigar. But you know what? To him, that was the cigar. You could have given him, and people did all the time, gave him very expensive cigars. And he would say, you know what? I don't think they're as good as this. And of course, technically, that was incorrect. But it doesn't, you know, if he, likes it, yeah. Yeah, if he thinks it's great, then why are you, why are you getting on it? Look, if so, you like drinking coffee that came out of a cat's ass, then go ahead and drink coffee that came out of a cat's ass. I'm going to try well, it. I don't think I'm going to like it, but well, don't don't have a preconceived notion about it either, though. Eh, I don't know. You know I think, if I think if, if it comes if out of something's it, ass, I can have a preconceived notion about it. <laughs> okay, okay. You could... <laughs> but you're right. You should go in with no expectations, no bias, or as little bias as possible. I don't think going in with no bias is possible, but I think as little bias as possible, and have an open mind and and, and try things. Uh, and if, at the end of the experience, if you think that, you know, what you were, what you were smoking or drinking or whatever it was is, is, you know, not as good as what you have usually, then all right, that's, that, that's you, you do you boo. That's it. I mean, I do believe that Cuban cigars are not for everybody and it's something that could be an acquired taste. But um, I think, you know, the I re- think when Cuban cigars are good, they're great. And when Cuban cigars are bad. They're awful. Like there's no in between. There's not like you light up a cigar, a Cuban cigar, and you're like, eh, it was all right. It's either wow, that was really good, or holy shit, this was a dog turd. Well, I'm gonna actually add to that. I, I think if you smoked a dog turd, then it wasn't a real Cuban cigar. Now, <laughs> I do believe that because you know, you could say know, a Nick. lot here, here. No, no. Listen to me. Listen to why I'm saying what I'm saying. The tobacco is the tobacco. It all comes from the same place. Sure. Per se. Sure. And the blends are different, but yet very similar. Sure. Um, you know, there's not a lot of variety. Um, and I've always said, you know, when people talk about non-Cuban cigars, what I love about non-Cuban cigars is the spectrum of differences and nuances between when you take tobaccos from different countries and you match them well together, which uh, every blender, you know, strives for the synergistic effect of those tobaccos coming together is what gives you the dimension and, and the, 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 the depth of the flavors that you can produce in Cuban cigars. If you have any Puro, uh, well, you know, with the exception of like, you know, you got Nicaragua that's got, you know, three different distinctively different areas where tobacco is produced and Cuba has five growing regions, but 
there's what I'm trying to say is there's less ability to make a bigger variety. So on the spectrum, let's let's say if every cigar falls between one and ten in the form of different flavors, um, let's say all Cuban cigars would be between three and five. And that's it where you can get a cigar brand that could have a cigar that's in the one range and it could have one on the 10 range and everything in between because you can use different tobaccos and different flavor. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. Yeah. It's a very, Cubans are very limited spectrum of flavor. Yeah. A limited spectrum, but yet the tobacco, they, when they produce and they release tobacco and they use them for the blends, they're all pretty much now, there's different years that have been better than others. And there are cigars from Cuba that are phenomenal and there's cigars that are mediocre, but a turd, you know what? I'd rather smoke <laughs> the worst turd there than some of the turds that are out there. But oh, yeah. no, 100%. having said that there are not, you know, there's so you have to understand the, and now it's going to be even crazier. The counterfeit Cuban market oh, was geez. huge before. Yeah. Now it's going to be, what, out of control. what gets yeah, out of control. it's going to be out of control. So when people say they're smoking authentic Cuban cigars now, it's going to be a lot harder to prove or there's going to be, well, they and, should make it more. And this you is know. going into a, a, an area that I don't think we had talked about going into, but I know for a fact that there are at least two of the larger secondary uh, resellers, if you will, um, mm. out there that have been caught selling fakes yeah and uh, just recently like very recently and they have they have said yep these were fake like whoever we were getting them from we're not getting them from them anymore da 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 like that's and so you you even who you could trust two or three years ago you can't trust them anymore to get you real cubans and a lot of that is is due to this to the to the price hike so well, the price hike, the, the supply and demand issue, it's getting less and less. It's being all going into one area. And so there's an insatiable demand that, that exists that needs to be filled. And unfortunately, it's being filled by counterfeits and from third party. And that kind of rolls copycats. us into this third question. So if you guys want to hear what the second question was, you can go to our Rumble uh, channel and you can check that out. Or you can go to simplystogies.com. It's up there as well. Um but that rolls into the third question, because when you have such a high demand for a product, even with this insane price hike, it's absolute insane price hike. It, it forces Habanos SA to try to ramp up production on a product that for all intents and purposes before they had a hard time putting out a high quality product 100% of the time. Now, you and I have disagreed on this show uh, as far as how many in a box are, are unsmokable, but there are. Uh, I there don't are. Know. I don't remember disagreeing every, on that point. I, I, I think I said as high as uh, 25, 30% of a box is typically unsmokable. Okay. I'm, I'm not far right. off from that. Okay. I'm not saying it's unlikely for it to be that high, but generally not, you know, but. Yeah, no, generally, still, I think it's higher said, than it should be. That's it's for definitely, sure. yeah, well, compared to non Cuban, the New World cigars. Absolutely. It's, yeah. Yes. So, so that rolls us right into the third question, which, like I said, this is kind of like you gave him the old one, two. And I don't think you meant to. Like, here's the thing that you have to understand about Nick. And I, 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 I'm going to say it now. And I know you've said it, but I'm going to say it. I have not met anybody who's more passionate 
about Cuba, Cuban cigars, or the Cuban people than Nicholas Cirrus. I have not met one. There are guys out there who, who will swear by Cuban cigars, and that's all they smoke. They're still not as passionate. But that's I'll, not me. You understand that is not me. No, you smoke everything. No. I mean, you have the LH brand. You you smoke everything under the sun because you are a student of the leaf. Like, I, I always joke with you that I'm going to call you Master Blender because it gets under your skin. And you, you always correct me. You're just a blender. But that's part of being a blender. And even part of being a Master Blender is you're always learning. You are absolutely a literal student of the leaf. And there's no better way to learn than from smoking someone else's cigar and then learning about it, especially like I, I remember seeing you with the uh, my old Kentucky Herf, with, uh, you know, Dwight Atkins out there at uh, uh, Fat Ash in Asheville, Kentucky. Yes. And Luciano was there and you guys exchanged cigars. I think it was the first time you met him. And, you and Luciano had this great conversation. I remember you saying that guy gets it. Like Luciano gets it. So, yeah. You guys yeah. are both students of the leaf and for a student of the leaf and somebody who has this love, like genuine love for Cuba and Cuban cigars to have to ask, <laughs> you know, Polo and, and Jose Maria, like, Hey, what's with the construction and quality issues, guys? Like, what are we doing to address that? That number one, that had hurt. And number two, yeah, they did not like being asked that. It's got to be, you know, it is, it's a sore spot. It's got to be a sore spot because the reality is that's everybody knows the problem with Cuban cigars today, you know, and for years is not so much maybe the quality of the tobacco, even though that's faltered and, and wavered. But the thing that's been consistent is the inconsistency of the production of these cigars. And there is an inherent reason for why I believe and most people know why this happens that they can't seem to address or fix. And that's the problem. Well, wait, wait, wait. Let, let, before we get into that, let's listen to their response. I don't even know if I want to say it's an answer, but let's just listen to their response to your question about quality control. My opinion, Chemos also is going to, to stay there because this is also, I mean, we have all the time uh, working, uh, and I can tell you that we have in, in the in the whole chain since they start uh, the production, when the production is started in the fields, we have many. When I mean Tabacuba, have many uh, quality control checks. Even in Habanos, when we are receiving the goods, we have also we have samples, and of course we have uh, people dedicated to 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 check the wrapper, the draw, how is the I mean the dress of the boxes. I mean we have many. Of course, you have to point a control quality check. Of course, uh, you you mentioned other competitors, but our product is completely completely a manual. Yes, it's different. It's and ne very, it's natural product, you know, but very, very, everything is done. Of course, issues can happen. This is something that you can avoid. If you ask me, for sure, we can uh, all the time improving those quality points, and we are working. This is one of the first first uh, issues that we are checking, and we are improving all the time, in increasing the quality control. Now we have a new quality director that is introducing even more harder quality control. But also 
because, and this is my personal opinion, I have been uh, smoking with people, you know, and uh, also when you taste a cigar, for example, you no, know, maybe the draw is not okay. But for me, when when I try to take it for myself, okay. But for me, the draw is okay. I mean, the 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 grapper, okay, it could be. But sometimes uh, the grapper is is is. But also, we have many manipulation points in all the chain that also. But we are working constant constantly on it. But the main issue. Uh, that is, of course, uh, and we have been all the time working with, is, uh, an, I mean, it's a theorem for Havanos. We never will sac sacrifice quality for the, this system. And we are all the time working and improving, improving, improving. For sure, we can continue. And this is a never-ending story. I mean, we all the time are improving this, and for sure, we are working. All right, there it was. Uh <laughs> Like I said, I don't, I, I don't know, but uh, go ahead, Nick, like talk, like talk about what you think the problem is. Did you expect anything different? I mean, I wasn't expecting them to, to admit anything or say know. anything. And, and, and even if, but I had to ask it, they must know, but I wanted to stress upon them that this is something that everybody that sees me talks about, Oh, you know, Cuban cigars suck because, and I'm like, look, what exactly don't you like about them? Well, they, they don't draw right. They're always this. I'm like, so you're talking construction issues. And I'm like, yeah. I said, what about the flavors? The flavors, oh, when they smoke's right. And I'm like, look, I agree with you 100% in that area. I can tell, talk from, you know, firsthand experience as being a part of a, of a retail um, company that offered Cuban cigars predominantly overseas. Um, it's not uncommon to have, 15 to 20% of each box be literally unsmokable, too tight, no draw. And and it's so frustrating because it's not like, hey, you can send their bad ones back. I mean, I thankfully with my factory, I don't have these issues. But even for, say, some other larger factories that have maybe more construction issues, um, if you have a bad batch, if you have a bad cigar, you put that aside, they will gladly you know, replace it most of the time because, you know, hey, they got to do right by it. On the Cuban side, are you kidding me? The local distributor, uh, distributor, they're more like, listen, you will take what we give you, not what you ask like for, because yeah. we'll just we'll just give you what we have left yeah. and uh, you'll like it. And if you even think about complaining, you will not get any more. No more soup for you. The beings so will continue until morale improves. Exactly. So. <laughs> You basically took it and you just accepted it because the reality is, you know, you just it is what it is. So yeah. but there's a reason for the quality control. And and I have to say a, a good friend, somebody that I've known for got to be going close to 10 years, um, a Spaniard. His name is Oscar Rigote Jorge. Now, Oscar Rigote was the his title was like quality control manager. Um, he had a fairly high position. I used to always say to him, man, I hate to have your position. And when I went through the uh, the master's program at Habanos, he conducted a class about quality control. And, you know, I know he's not going to like to hear this, but some of the slides that he would show of some of these cigars that got through, and I'd be like, man, I'd be too embarrassed to even show those. Like, how does it get back? <laughs> I mean, we're talking bands being put on backwards. I mean, some of the most ridiculous things that like that gone through that were caught. I'm like, holy Christ. I didn't realize it was that bad. So, <laughs> you know, and and they constantly, 
you know, we're trying to fix it and I would not want to have his job. And I will say that he was recently removed of his position, whether it was a mutual thing or what have you, but there's somebody else that has his job. And I don't know what the real reason was behind it, but maybe they're addressing the quality control issues. But in my mind, and I know Cuba's not going to like that. I'm what I'm going to say here. It, it all comes down to one thing, money. And if you don't pay people a proper salary, they will not produce. They have no reason. Like back in the day, people had, you know, just a different work ethic and they, they, they were, they had pride in what they produced today. I'm not saying there's people at Cuba that do not have that same ethic or are not rollers that are really good. Cause I've met a lot of great rollers, but the reality of life is if you're not being paid, you don't have the same, eh, you know, I'm, it's just the job kind of thing. So things get rushed through. They have a certain amount that they have to produce each day and it gets lax. It just gets lax, you know, and it's, if you pay them properly, now you could say, we can have good quality control people in place. And like, you know, we do like in our factory, and and you could do that. But then again, the people that are also their supervisors are also not being paid well. And they're all friends. And, you know, even if you bring them and there's the things that they do that they bring, like a cool thing is in Cuba, the cops, everybody hates the cops. And we're talking the 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 Habanese people. And what they do is they bring people from other provinces and they make them the cops there because they don't want them letting their friends go free. You know, so that's kind of cool because they're not friendly. So I'm sure if they use that same mentality in the factory where their supervisors are not friends and this and that, it tends to maybe have the supervisors doing their job better or the quality control people. But the reality is they need to increase the, the, the money, you know, now in Cuba, they're also considered some of the better paid people, just like they are in Nicaragua. They're a solid middle class. Um, but instead of being paid financially, what they do and they cause their own problems, you you think about read between the lines when you get a particular amount of salary, but yet your your part of your salary is you get a number of gratis cigars. It used to be a cigar a day. Uh, and now I think they're up to five. So they get five cigars a day. Now, the technical reason is these are cigars that are supposed to be smoking there, um, but you don't have to smoke them there. So what do these people do? They collect their five cigars for the day. They get to 25 and then they give them to a uh, so-called outside salesperson. So an outside salesperson <laughs> will get whether, uh, you know, an unauthentic or fake box bands, and then they'll try to get this agent to sell it on the street. If you're lucky, you're getting one of those cigars. Cause I've right. seen stuff on the street that are like, I, I, Oh my God. It's like, it's not even tobacco. It's like dirt and hair and, it just gross. And um, you have to really watch what you put in your, oh my God, there's some, I would yeah. never take a yeah. chance that no. at all. But no, I have, I have a couple of uh, faux hebas uh, in my uh, uh, commodore, as I affectionately call it, uh, that I just, I, I refuse to smoke. In fact, uh, I, I just, I, I added a brand new one. Uh, uh, and a, a friend of mine was like, here, smoke this. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. I, I go, is it fake? And he's like, no, it's not fake. I look at the band. I'm like, oh, this is totally a fake. Like you could just, right. it, it's not even a good fake. It's a right. 
terrible fake. But of course, this guy uh, he just did not, didn't, did not. Like, no, 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 this is, this is real. I'm like, all right, whatever. Edition Limitada 2016, Cohiba, whatever. It's totally fake. <laughs> but okay, yeah, whatever. But yeah, it, I think it was a good, I think it was a good uh, um, interview that you had with these guys. And again, if you want to watch the whole thing in its entirety, guys, it's on our Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com uh, and uh, it's, I'll put the link down in the description or just go to simplystogies.com. It's up there uh, as well. And you can see Nick's interview uh, in its entirety with Polo and uh, uh, Jose Maria from uh, Habanos S.A. Uh, I think it was a good discussion today, Nick, uh, about Cuban cigars. And, and you know, um, next month, December, December 1st, it's the last it's the last in our Cuban sub series. Uh, I think we missed one or two uh, this year, but for the most part, it was pretty good. Next time, we're going to go over the myths uh, surrounding the legends surrounding Cuban cigars and uh, find out which are real and which are not. Uh, and kind of, uh, I think it'll be interesting. And I'm sure the conversation will will steer into, you know, something I want to ask you next time is, you know, is it should we be supporting? Uh, you know, a communist party by by buying these cigars. Um, but, you know, most of us buy them second, you know, secondary markets already bought. You, you're not giving Habanos SA your money directly uh, in most cases. But it'll be an interesting, interesting discussion nonetheless. Uh, at the beginning of the show, at the top of the top of the show, we teased uh, an unofficial teaser. Uh, and so here's your unofficial teaser. Uh, starting in February, February is our, our uh, anniversary. So it's going to be our four-year anniversary this year. It's quickly approaching. Another year has gone by so quickly. Um, we are adding uh, a couple things to uh, Simply Stogies. Um, some things will change. Some things will stay the same. But we're adding a host to the show, Nick Cirrus. Oh, really? That's yeah. good to know. Yeah. Oh, cool. Does yeah. he want to do it? Uh, I, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, you know, James asked me uh, recently, he said, hey, you know, the Cuban series is coming to an end and it was great doing it with you. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, how interesting can being talking about Cuba every month? And it is interesting. And, and I always love talking about it. But, you know, I'm not just about Cuba and I'm not just about Cuban cigars. So, um, I was very excited to, um, to be a part or to be asked to be a part of, uh, simply stogies on more of a permanent basis. Um, for people that know me from my past other hat that I wore is I have no, no stranger to the media. Um, I was involved with a show called the smooth draws radio show. We were on ESPN radio out of Atlanta, Georgia. And it was a fun show. We had um, a couple of people that have passed away, mainly the main co-host, um, Gary Layden, who um, unexpectedly passed. And uh, at that point, you know, I did not want to continue the show because, you know what, guys, it's a lot of work to produce a two hour radio show every week. And um, I, I just couldn't do it. And we had uh, Mike the Burner Turner who uh, is a local celebrity of sorts, um, played for the Atlanta Falcons and uh, lives in Atlanta area and happens to be a really, really um, great guy and cigar smoker. And then um, everybody knows, at least probably listening to this show, um, Mr. Cooper, 
William Cooper. They call him the Coop. He's got his own show. And he's also a dear friend. And we got him on the air. I think we were the first people to put him on the air. I, he was doing the the website and he did a lot of news. So we had a segment called uh, The Scoop with Coop. And now look at him. We created a monster. The guy, <laughs> he's on every day. Uh, he's a great guy. Really loves his business. Very um, great show. You guys should listen to his as well. I don't mind. Yeah, no, plugging. absolutely. Go, to, go check out uh, Cigar Coop. Uh, you were just on there uh, recently, last oh, few was. weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, watch my uh, my uh, my interview there. I thought it was a good uh, interview. I thought it was a good show. Yeah, I I think he does a good job, and does. Uh, again, he, he he's he's tied in. And so anyway, I I, I know I talk uh, in you know a little too much, um, but I guess that's good to be on the radio where or, or on a podcast <laughs> where right. we can have somewhere to release all this. Uh, talking energy so anyway i'm looking forward to it james i know that uh i'm excited about it i wanted to keep my hat in the media part of this uh, because for me that's an important part of who i am and uh about cigars uh part of my job as as a manufacturer as a cigar maker is to educate and teach and that's one of the parts of my job that i really love which is meeting you folks, the consumers, sitting down and having a cigar because there's nothing better than having a cigar with like-minded people. And it just, there's something about it. There's a magic that happens and I love being part of it. And so this way I get to talk to more people and more people can, you know, give me feedback and, and um, hopefully I can shed some light and interest and if nothing else, uh, talk cigars with people, you know. Absolutely. So and that's why it. we wanted to, that's why I wanted to have you on full time um, on the show, Nick, is because you are passionate about this and because you have such a high level of knowledge and you are always excited to share it with folks. And so I'm excited to have you on board as well. Um, it'll be fun to have somebody else kind of helping steer this gigantic ship that I have uh, friggin created uh, with the help of the listeners. And uh, I hope the listeners are just as excited about having you on board as I am. I think you're going to bring a, uh, a much needed uh, different dimension to the show, uh, a depth of knowledge. Uh, and, and you know, people in the industry, you're an insider. So we've got the insider and you, we've got the outsider and me. And like we have someone on and we were able to ask questions from both points of view and hopefully give our listeners, um, like I said, a better depth of knowledge uh, about cigars, about the industry. Uh, and about this leaf that we all love. And, um, and James, my biggest thing, I hope, I, I, you know, is that the audience, the people, the listeners, to feel a part of the show as much as I think they are. Um, because whether it be through emails, texts, comments, whatever, feedback is great. You know, let us know what you guys, you know, what you guys want to hear, what to, to that we want to talk about or, or questions. And I just, I love the interaction to me. It's not just me t- talking at you. I want you to, to feel like as much part of the show as um, I hope you will. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, somebody uh, reached out to me on uh, Instagram at simply Stogie's podcast about Hawaiian cigars. So now I've gone down this Hawaiian cigar uh, rabbit hole. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that in an upcoming show. Um, we've got a lot of stuff planned this next year, guys. We really do. I promise. I don't want to spoil all of it today, but I did want to, you know, unofficially tease slash announce that, uh, Nick is now, uh, part of the show. And we can look forward uh, to that come, uh, February 1st, uh, when we start our fourth 
year uh, anniversary. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to do it for today's show. Nick, as always, thank you so much for your time and for your expertise. Uh, I appreciate it. And I know our listeners do as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, join us next time where I'm not quite sure what I'll be talking about, but I promise it'll be Simply Stogies. Stay smoky, friends. Thank you for listening to Simply Stogies. Visit simplystogies.com for the latest articles and reviews. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for the latest in video content. And please rate and review Simply Stogies on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You can follow James on his cigar journey on Instagram at Simply Stogies Podcast, all one word, and on Twitter at the Twitter handle at Simply Stogies. If you have a question or suggestion for James or would like to be on the show, please send an email to info at simplystogies.com. 